may be seated this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Can we do that? Let's give the Lord, man, wow. God is, God is good, and I hope that you've already connected, not with necessarily just with someone in the room, but I hope that you've connected with the Lord already this morning. That's the goal. We want to connect you to one another, but the most important thing is we want to connect you to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we have spent the last few weeks talking about our vision, where we're headed as a church. We uh, have kind of taken a week to look back on, uh, on our history of our church, and I'm, I'm, uh, I am blessed. I'm thankful for uh, the men who have stood on this platform and the other platforms where our location was, uh, who have proclaimed the love of Jesus Christ faithfully that we can have a place like this to come into worship. Aren't you thankful for this place? I'm thankful for the men and women who've sacrificed uh, to uh, give and so that we could enjoy a place like this. Um, but we, we don't want to be just settled and comfortable with this place, do we? We, we want to be grateful for it, but we want to continue to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And so uh, we're going to continue our series on uh, 2020 vision. So we have uh, given to you kind of our, our purpose statement, what we believe. So it's going to be on the screen. I'd encourage you to get your bulletin out this morning. Follow along with your bulletin. Take some notes and uh, take it home and read through it again. Again, as we mentioned, if you're on the Uversion Bible app, Search for events, under events, search for Hallmark. Uh, all the, our bulletin notes are in there so that you can kind of, if you are on your iPad or your phone, you like to follow on there, you can do that. But we believe, so uh, I, I misquoted, so I, I'm glad they're on, on track and I'm not. But I want you to look at the screen on the statement. It's also in your bulletin. But this is a quote that we've kind of taken from Rick Warren. I, I think I maybe read this 20 years ago. Uh, and it says, we believe a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Uh, originally what, what Rick Warren stated was we'll grow a great church or we'll build a great church. And so we just kind of changed that last phrase. Not that I disagree with the statement, but I think that, that this is a little more focused. So we, we believe a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will glorify our great God. And here's what we believe, that if we as a church and we as individuals followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, if, if our life brings glory and honor to our Savior and to Jesus Christ our Lord, and we glorify God in our lives as a church, God will build a great church. Okay, so our goal is not to build a great church. Okay, our goal is to glorify God. As we glorify God, in Matthew, Jesus said, God will build the church. And that's what we want God to do, Correct. And so if we want God to build a great church out of Hallmark Baptist Church and continue the process, then it's on us to glorify Him. We exist then to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. The greatest way that you and I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, can glorify God is to make His name known, to point people to Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples. Um, we gave you this definition it's on your bulletin this morning. We gave it, uh, I think it was last week, maybe the week before. I, I stole this from Dr. Evans. I love this definition of what a disciple is. If we exist to glorify God, who make disciples, who make disciples, let's define what we believe a disciple is. So a disciple is a visible, verbal follower of Jesus Christ. All right? The problem in our culture today is we have too many secret disciples, right? silent disciples. We want to be visible. When people see your life, 
when people see how you act, how you spend your money, how you treat your kids, how you treat your neighbors, do they see Jesus Christ in your life? A visible follower of Christ. But not only that, some of us have gotten that down where maybe a lot of us are lacking is the next part. We're a verbal follower of Jesus Christ. My words, what I tell people, how I tell people, when I tell people, I tell them about Jesus Christ. The reality is the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life is that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Is that the greatest thing that's happened in your life? Why would I not want to tell someone about it? Why would you not want to tell someone about it? This morning, uh, I hadn't planned on sharing this this morning, though, as I was uh, reading through my notes again, spending some time in prayer, I got a message from the other side of the world, all right? So uh, Chad messaged me from uh, China and uh, said, hey, I'm praying, his exact words, I'm praying for Hallmark and I'm praying for Ben today. Uh, that's kind of the first response, or first message I got from, hey, thanks. And then I asked him, hey, how did, did Joseph and Liana do on their first Trip. So if you are tracking with us, we uh, sent some money for them to buy a van uh, there in China so that some of the unreached people that they have reached uh, who are working in their coffee shop can go out on the weekends in the van that you guys gave so that we could give. And uh, this weekend was the first weekend that Joseph and Liana got to take the van out because they finally passed the driver's test, all right? And, uh, and I say finally, not as in a negative to them, but it's a long process, okay? And so they finally got that accomplished. Chad, I think actually Stephanie had sent me a message earlier in the week that Joseph and Liana, they're taking the van out this week. And so as soon as he messaged me, the first thing in my mind is, have they got back? Have you had a report? And this is what he, before he responded with words, this is what he sent back to me. So on the video, it's like eight seconds. I want you to watch what he sent back to me, his response about Joseph and Liana. Will you roll that again? Let's play it again. It's so short, I just want to hear you again. I text him back, what are they saying? <laughs> and he simply replied back, praise God. And, and I'll be honest, in fact, I knew this was going to happen. I got some tissue right here just in case. But this morning, I was had, me and God had a moment. And I thought, somewhere on the other side of the world, the odd job people, last night, they had communion. They broke bread. They celebrated that they know Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and I got to be a part of that. Does that just like blow your mind this morning? It, it blows my mind. And, and especially we, there's, uh, I don't know, a handful of us in here this morning that got to go over there. We sat in that area around that campfire. And, and so just to hear that God is reaching people all over the world through the, this ministry, that's amazing. But what we want to, we want to celebrate that, trust me. But what I want us to think personally is, are, are we replicating that in our own neighborhoods? Have we become comfortable? Some of you give, have given faithfully, sacrificially for many years so that Joseph and Liana, that's not their real names by the way, but so that they can go 
drive two hours outside of Kunming into the mountains, tell people about Jesus, and start a house church. And I think in some ways, and, and maybe this is just me, and you guys can just judge me this morning, that, I, that I'm so blessed by that, that it's taken away some of my responsibility to do that in my own neighborhood. To reach out where God has placed me. And I'm going to ask uh, Charles if he would make his way to the, the, the platform. Last Sunday, uh, I was in, in their Connect group or Sunday school class, and uh, he shared a testimony. And if, if this is just a warning, if you share the testimony with the preacher, you're going you're gonna to be up on stage with the microphone sharing it. And, uh, and so I hope we, we've seen the other side of the world this morning, that we've reached out. And so I'll, let's bring it back home this morning. Charles, I appreciate you being willing, willing to share this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, if you see Pastor come in, don't share anything that you don't <laughs> want to get told again. So our Sunday school class uh, I was sharing last Sunday, as, as Pastor mentioned. And uh, it's been about three to four weeks ago. It was a Thursday evening. And I had come in from work, and just to give some context to the story, I drive back and forth to Dallas each day, and it's about an hour and ten minutes each way, and I really don't think that I have road rage, but I do have road frustration. I will acknowledge that. So it was after seven o'clock, and Toy and I were having a discussion, what's for dinner? And... I'm like, you know, what do we have here? A can of this, a can of that, just whatever, because I've got more work to do, which I normally work in the evenings, emails and stuff like that. And she looked at me and she said, well, I really would like to have something from Chili's, like a chicken strip dinner or something like that. And because I am such a loving, caring, meet my wife's needs kind of husband, I said, yes, I'll be happy to go get that. Now, it wasn't quite like that, but I did go get Chili's. So I said, call it in, and then I'll head off and pick it up. So I took off to Chili's on South Hewland, and I pulled in the parking lot there, and when I pulled in, I didn't see anyone around. But by the time I had turned off the car, grabbed my wallet, grabbed cell phone, and walked to the back of the car, there was a gentleman standing there in jeans and a shirt and a backpack on. And also context to the story, I'm thinking to myself, oh, great. Someone wants me to hand them some money. They have a need. And I have this sign around my neck, ask this guy because he'll help you out. So it's dark, and I'm keeping my distance from him, and he, he looks at me and he said, I'm, I'm hungry, I haven't had anything to eat, and anything to eat would just be, just be great. So I'm going through my thought processes, and, and just keep in mind that really at this point, I'm not being spirit-led. I'm in the flesh. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. Instead of just handing him a few bucks, I'll take him into Chili's and I'll buy him something to eat. So we start walking into Chili's. He sits out on the bench outside of the door. And I said, no, come on in. Order what you want as far as what do you, what do you want on your hamburger. So we walk up to the place where you get your to-go orders. And there's a guy behind the counter. And he tells me, Mr. Bartley, your order's not ready yet. And usually they are pretty quick when, when they get those things done. And I said, well, I want to pay for this, and then I want to pay for this guy's hamburger. So he orders his hamburger the way that he wants it, and then he says, can I have a Dr. Pepper? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And again, I'm still thinking, 
yeah, okay, go ahead, throw that on order, I'll pay for it. And then the Spirit starts working on my heart. And David Marsden is not here today, but he's part of our Sunday school class in Proclaimers. And if you ever talk to David Marsden, he's one of those guys that he puts people, God puts people in his path to share Christ with. And he's very good at sharing Christ and his testimony. So I thought about David, and I thought, this is just the right time. I need to talk to this guy about his life and about the Lord. So I ask him a few questions, and he starts to share with me, I've been in prison or just got out of prison. And I said, oh, really? How long, what, how long have you had, were you there? And he said, 18 years and six months. So my very first thought was, what did you do? And as I shared with our class last week, had my wife been there, who some of you know very well, she would have had his life story in the next two or three minutes. So I listened to him talk, and I said, well, you know, do you, do you know the Lord? And he shared some verses, and we talked back and forth. And I said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And as he talked more and I listened to him, I really, truly believe that he is a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I'm becoming less in the flesh and more walking in the Spirit, I'm looking around, and I see some empty tables within Chili's. So I asked the guy who was behind the counter, hey, can this, can this guy, can he sit down and just have his meal here? He said, no, we just don't do that. If you want to ask for that, then I'll have to get the manager. And I said, please go get your manager. So he walked, walked away, came back in just a couple of minutes, and he said, I talked to my manager, we found this guy table, and we're going to let him sit down and eat his meal. So I pulled up my wallet, and I think the smallest bill, no, the smallest bill I had was a $5 bill. So I pulled it out, and I handed it to the Chili's employee, and I said, please see that this guy's taken care of, and this $5 goes to the server so she, doesn't miss a, she or he doesn't miss a tip. So the guy went and sat down. Ironically, he gets his hamburger before I get my order to go. <laughs> but the guy behind the counter at Chili's, he said, I've got your order ready, Mr. Bartley. Chicken strips, salad, extra dressing. I've got your chips and salsa. But I put in some extra salsa for you because I saw what you did, and I appreciate that, the way that you reached out and took care of that gentleman. So there were a lot of lessons that I were brought home to me in that experience. And as I walked out to get my car with my order, I walked by the guy, and I looked at him, and I said, did you get everything that you needed? And he said, yes, I did. Thank you, brother. And I walked on out. But I'm so thankful, first off, that I was obedient. Because I stand here before you today, and I tell you that I totally, truly believe that God put that man in front of me that night to see how I would respond. The second part of that is that, as I jokingly said to our class last week, I tend to live life in the fast lane, which is an eagle song if you don't know, and not all those words apply to me, so don't take it out of context. <laughs> but I need to slow down. I need to listen when God is speaking to me because I'm telling you, people put... God puts people in our place each and every day. But we've got to listen and we've got to watch and be sensitive to that. But beyond that, and then I'll stop because you're going to preach, right? 
that guy behind the counter was impacted because of what he saw me do. And this is not about me, guys. This is about us being responsive and listening to what God tells us to do. And as we heard in the lesson this morning in Sunday school, we need to follow him. Amen. Thank you, Charles. Would you give him a hand? I appreciate that, Charles. And so, you know, again, the, the challenge is, what am I personally doing to reach people with the gospel? What are little things in your day-to-day routine that you could add or be more aware of to share the gospel with someone? Uh, one thing that I've started doing, and they're back here on the banister there in the stadium, I would encourage you to grab a couple on your way out. Uh, almost, when I remember, which is almost every day now, I put one of these little tent cards that we have that have the gospel in my pocket. And if, if God allows a conversation to start, then I try to share the gospel if I don't get that far with it, then I at least hand them this to share the gospel. Um, the other day, uh, and, and I'll be completely honest with you, this is new to me. I, I'm really good at standing on the stage and, and giving you the gospel if you show up. And I'm really good in the context of my office if someone walks in to share the gospel. Uh, but day to day out in the street just meeting people, I'm, not, I'm just going to confess, I'm not very good at it or I've never practiced it very much. God has really convicted me to do that. So this is what I'm doing in my life uh, to kind of be obedient, to try to be obedient. Uh, And so even now, when I go work out, I just put one or two in my pocket. The other day, uh, we uh, were, Joe and I were going to uh, the brick to work out. And uh, her tire was low in her car, so we took her car instead of mine. We went to get uh, air in her tire, and I've been down there getting air in the tire. And... uh, some lady just randomly comes up to me and says, I need help. I don't know how to put gas in my car. It was, a, it was an older lady, and her husband has always done it for her. And she said, I, I, I said, I'm sorry, what, you know, what's going on? She said, well, my husband fell, broke his hip. He's in the hospital, been in for however long. I don't know how to put gas in my car. He always does it for me. And so I get done doing what I'm doing, go over there. And I, I thought literally she didn't know how to put, like, it in there and fill up the tank, but she just didn't know how to open up the little, you know, what's the word? Cap to open it up. And uh, so I go over there and I'm looking and I push it, you know, it's spring loaded, it opens right up. And she's like blown away at how wise I am. And uh, <laughs> anyways, so I, I handed her a card and said, I'll be praying, you know, praying for your husband. My number's there, whatever, give me a call if you need anything. And, and so you never know. If you're not prepared, the reason, you know, he, uh, Charles mentioned David Mars, and I think probably one of the reasons that he has a lot of opportunities to share the gospel is because he's been faithful to share the gospel. And, and maybe the reason that people aren't asking you is because you haven't been faithful to share it. Maybe the reason people don't approach me very often is because God knows I'm not ready and I'm not going to share and I'm going to be busy doing what I'm doing, and on to the next thing. So, slow down sometimes, prepare yourself, and look for opportunities to reach your neighborhood, your community, your cube mates at work, or whatever it might be. Uh, this, anybody know what was significant this Tuesday? What was significant about this Tuesday? 
October 31st, and you guys ate way too much sugar, didn't you? How many of you ate, like, you consume more sugar, and, and, and let's be honest, October 31st pretty much just starts the downward spiral from this date to Thanksgiving to Christmas, I'll wait till the new year, right? How many of you are in the same, you're like, you guys are lying, you guys, I know, man, you're just judging me all you're doing. But more significant than it was Halloween was it was the 500th anniversary of a specific event. How many of you know what that event was? All right, yell it out if you know what it is. All right, it was the beginning of the, the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther boldly went to the church in Wittenberg and apparently nailed to the door what we now know as the 95 Thesis. And to think about the impact that that one event had, that here we are 500 years later commemorating that event. And to think about, um, I don't have time to go into all the history of it, and I'm not really that smart anyways, but, uh, I, and so I had a different message prepared for you this morning, uh, and Wednesday morning, when I got up early, go to work out, and I, I, lis- I usually listen to preaching while I'm working out, and I just happened to see on Facebook one of my professors from, from Bible College, who's still a professor from Bible College at the same college, had preached a message on Tuesday in chapel about the importance or significance of the Reformation and what that means for us today. And so I was listening to that, and I thought, man, this is amazing stuff. Probably stuff he taught me 25 years ago, and I didn't listen very well. And so I was listening this time. And so I want to just kind of give you a brief overview of what happened. So all throughout, before, so before the Reformation, there is all, always through history, there has been a group of people that would be not, we're not classifying necessarily Baptists. It's a hundred years later before you read in history about the first Baptists, a hundred years after the Reformation. But even, let's say, a hundred years prior to the Reformation, there's always been a group of people that would fall into the category of, of nonconformists. So they weren't conforming to, at that point, the greatest um, power really was the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church uh, was teaching a lot of false doctrines. And so Martin Luther, that was his 95 thesis, was 95 things wrong, not biblical, according to him, in the Catholic Church. And so years before Luther came onto the scene, they're what we would call nonconformists. Those who were Bible believers, who believed that salvation came by grace, through faith, in Christ Jesus. And, and so they were before the Reformation, they've been after the Reformation, all right? And so a hundred years prior to the Reformation, there's a man named John Huss. And John Huss was taught by John Wycliffe. Many of you have heard that name. And so he believed and he preached that Jesus was the only way, it was by grace, through faith. This was contrary to what the Catholic Church was preaching or teaching. In fact, in a in hundred years prior, in like 1415, I believe it was, John Huss was called, at the time, it was the period of time in, in Catholicism that's known as the Great Schism. And during this period of time, there were three different popes. So if you know much about it, that's not a good thing, all right? Three different popes. All three popes excommunicated the other popes from the Catholic Church, meaning they were going to hell, okay? So if all three popes are, uh, have excommunicated each other and they're all three going to hell, that's, 
Okay, so that's not good, right? And, and so in that period of time, John Huss was preaching, had, uh, they say, 80% or 90% of the area he was preaching in Bohemia had given their life to Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus was the only way, by grace, through faith. And, and that's what he was preaching. And so the Catholic Church uh, called him in for a meeting and had promised safety and that they would not arrest him, put him on trial for heresy, and kill him. So he came. And guess what they did? They arrested him put him on trial for heresy, and they burned him at the stake for his faith. Huss, German, last name meaning goose, okay? And at, at his death, you can read about it. You can, you know, Wikipedia has a lot of that. You can read about it. He, he, there was many things he said. One of the things was that he prayed for those who were killing him because they were living in false doctrine. But he also said, you may kill the goose, but a hundred years from now, so the goose being him, a hundred years from now, you will not be able to stop or kill the swan. Okay, if you know much about church history, which I had to look it up, uh, Luther, the image most characterized by him is the swan. So 102 years prior to the Reformation, John Huss is burned at the stake because he believed that the only way to salvation, the only way to God, is through Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith. And 102 years later, Luther was influenced quite a bit by the writings of Huss, and he gave his life to Christ. And so, really quick, the sovereignty of God is just an amazing thing when you think about the things that were set in motion. So Martin Luther was uh, born really into a wealthy family. I'm going to skip a lot of his history because you can look it up. But at one point in his time, he was uh, well-educated, very smart, learned Latin at a very young age. And he was out, out in a field one day when a thunderstorm came up. He was, didn't know what to do, so he hid under the biggest tree in said field, right? So he was smart, but, you know, anyways. Hides under a tree, lightning strike the tree. He thinks he's going to die. He cries out to St. Anne, St. Anne, if you'll save me, I'll become a monk. He's saved, doesn't want to become a monk, but he's a man of his word, becomes a monk. Now, in the 1200s, the Catholic Church had made it illegal for anyone who was not a priest to read the Scriptures. So because now Martin Luther was scared under a tree by a lightning strike, he's now a priest. So now what is he privileged to be able to do? To read the Scriptures. And as he read the Scriptures, he comes across Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. It will be on the screen for us this morning. And it completely changed everything he had been taught. It blew his mind, in other words. Romans 1.17 here on the screen. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. And, and so this phrase is what completely got him digging into Scriptures more and more. This is exactly opposite of what he's been taught. He's been taught all of his life by the Catholic Church. The only way to God, the only way to heaven is good works. And by the way, pay me some money and I'll make sure that your good works are good enough, right? And, and so he, this phrase, the just shall live by faith. And everything for him changed. And, and this verse of Scripture, this truth of Scripture, that we come to God not based on how good we are. Because none of you are good enough. And I'm definitely not good enough. 
begin to teach and begin to study. And that's what led him to nail the 95 Thesis. What we've been taught, what I've been taught my entire life, that salvation is by works, that's not what the Bible teaches. Had he not been out under a tree, the lightning struck, he makes this promise, he would have never even read the Scriptures. Between, you know, the hundred years between Huss and Luther, some great technology came into play, right? What was it? The printing press. And when he nailed in, in Latin his 95 Theses, immediately it was translated into German, it hit the press, and everyone read, Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't God amazing? So I just want to quickly, on your outline you have, and we're going we're to go real quick, these five pillars that came out of his thesis and his teaching. And the Catholic Church realized quickly and lately that they could not stop the message of the gospel. So here, here's the five things. Number one is sola scriptura, all right, which means scripture only. All right, so these are what also are known as the five solas, all right, if you want to Google that, all right, scripture only. So let's look at a couple verses of scripture. Uh, you can, they're already typed out there for you, not actually the whole word, but the reference is there on your outline if you want to look at these later. But 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says this, Knowing the first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible we hold, okay, so I'm going to get the, this one that you may visibly understand a little more. This Bible, this is just not man's words about God. This is God's revelation of himself to us. It wasn't just some man's ideas about God. It was that God revealed himself, his message, his revelation to man through the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest um, arguments for the validity of God's word is if you study history, how many times and how many people have tried to get rid of God's word? Any other piece of literature would have gone through what, the, what God's word has gone through, we would not be holding it here today. God has preserved his revelation, his word to us, and I am thankful. Are you? Second Timothy, Paul says this. Verse three, or chapter 3, verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is our authority. When culture goes against Scripture, where should you go? The Scripture. God's Word is our final, ultimate authority. Number two, sola fide, which simply means faith only. Scripture only, faith only. Galatians 2, verse 16, and I know I'm reading through these quickly. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, 
even when we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be, might be justified by faith in Christ. And, and so as he, Luther reads these words, all he's been taught his entire life is that you have to be good enough, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to earn your way to salvation. He reads these words. Justified by faith in Christ. And not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Doesn't that seem very, very clear? Faith only. You understand why people didn't want the Bible to be in, their, in the common man's language or the common man to read it because they kind of have monopoly going on, right? Just to put it lightly. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever, what's the next word? Believes. It's not doing something. It's just placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes will have eternal life, a home in heaven, forgiveness of sins, redemption, faith only. Number three, sola Christus. Or Christo. Jesus only. We sang about it this morning, didn't we? It's the name, the powerful, the wonderful name of Jesus. Acts 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. Speaking of the name of Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is Jesus only. Jesus said, remember in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him, he being God, made him being Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. No other name but the name of Jesus. Number four, sola gratia. Grace only. We've already read Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace you're saved through faith. Okay, so it's God's grace that saves you. The vehicle that gets you to the grace of God is what? Faith. So real quickly, everybody get your, uh, let's do left hand first, all right? So your left hand, in case you don't know, this this way, all right? Left hand, we're going we're gonna to explain grace real quick, all right? So God's, can you say God's, riches, at Christ's expense. Grace. How do I get to the grace? It's faith. All right, you guys ready? Right hand now. If you, forsaking. Say it again. Forsaking. All. I trust him. It's by grace through faith. That should blow you away. Everything we're taught outside of biblical Christianity is that we earn respect and we earn love and we earn whatever it is we're trying to get by, by performance. If I'm good enough, I'll get this. If I perform well enough, and, and the Bible says, grace is free to all. Jesus paid for you to have grace, and you can get it through faith. It's life-changing, isn't it? 
Grace only. One more verse. Let's look at Galatians 2, verse 21. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law. In other words, if I could be made righteous before God by being good enough. What does the next part of that verse say? Then Christ died in vain. In other words, if if I could earn my way of salvation, was it necessary for Christ to die? No. Would Jesus have come and died on the cross if I could have been good enough to earn grace? No. But because I can't be good enough, and because the wages of my sin is death, eternal separation from God my Creator, Jesus came and hung on a cross so that I could, through faith, have grace. The last one, number five. Sola Deo Gloria. To the glory of God alone. So on your outline this morning at the bottom, there's just a little small, I guess we could call it a paragraph. And it says, salvation is. Kind of sums up these five pillars. Salvation is, by grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone, so that all things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the final authority. I'm, I'm thankful for men and women all throughout history who were willing to die so that I could know this truth. Do, do you realize if the men and women before us had not be, been willing to die, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the disciples who were martyred, uh, we think of, of John Huss that we mentioned this morning and, and thousands and thousands of him, before him and after him that died in order for you and I to be able to hold God's word in our hand, for us to be able to read scriptures that say, for by grace you are saved through faith. I'm, we are blessed you realize that there is more persecution in our world today for those who believe that Jesus Christ is the only way than there ever has been in the history of the world? You and I are just lucky to be in America where we don't face that persecution. We think we're persecuted when someone says, I don't know about that Jesus stuff. And we back off a little bit because we might offend someone. And I think for me personally, if, if all these people, John Huss, for instance, if that would have been me, and he were me, would the gospel have reached him? If it would have been based on my faith, my willingness to burn at the stake, would other generations know? It's sobering to think back about that, but, but let's, so let's look forward. So the next generation, and the next generation after that, are they going to read these same words? Because it's up to us. To us. It's up to us to share the message. One last verse I want to read for you this morning, Romans 10, 13, and 14. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls the name of the Lord shall 
be saved? Then you get these three questions. Well, how can they call on him if they have not believed? How can they believe someone they've never heard of? How, if they sh- how shall they hear without someone who proclaims? See, we hear the word preacher, and, and, and all of you are looking at me. Preacher is a proclaimer. We're all preachers. We're all to proclaim the good news that came to us to the rest of the world. The last statement there on your outline. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. And we all have to to examine our own lives. Has the gospel stopped with us? Has the gospel stopped with us? And what are we going to do about it? You know, this morning there's really two groups of people. There's those of you in here that are similar to me, that you've, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and you're confident in your salvation. You're confident that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've trusted in His grace through faith. And, and so the challenge is for us, if you're like me in that area, that what, what are we doing about it? Are we sharing the gospel? Are we telling people about Jesus Christ? There's some of you in the room maybe this morning that you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe this morning you never heard salvation is a free gift. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to come to church X amount of times. I don't have to give this much of my money. I don't have to have grandparents who went to church. Jesus died for me. That I can have forgiveness of sins, an eternal home in heaven, a restored relation with God, my creator, by simply forsaking all I trust Jesus. And I would challenge you this morning, if that's you, that you would place your faith in Jesus today. And it's, it's very simple. It's simply you acknowledging, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I can't be good enough. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sin debt. And I place my faith, my trust, my hope in Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you. I would ask everybody to close your eyes for a moment this morning. We're going we're gonna to continue to worship in a moment. But in the, in the quietness right now of this morning, maybe God's revealed to you today, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. Some of you this morning are here to, to get baptized and to publicly proclaim that you gave your life to Christ. If that's you, you can go ahead and come forward this morning. But maybe God this morning has revealed to you, I've never placed my faith in Jesus. Here's what I want you to do this morning. If, if you are willing to surrender your life to God right now, 
not asking you if you have all the answers or even all the questions. Just are you willing to say, God, I believe that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sins. And I believe the only way that I can be restored to you, my creator, is that I place my faith in Jesus. If that's you this morning and you would like to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you just to to raise your hand for a moment. Just raise your hand for a moment. Leave it up for a moment. Raise it up high so I can see you. Anybody like that in the room this morning, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up for a moment. Leave it up for a moment. I want to pray for you this morning. For the rest of us this morning. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Has God challenged you through his word and through the faithfulness of the men we've talked about that you're not being responsible with the gospel. The gospel has stopped with you. If God has has challenged you in your heart this morning, would you put your hand up for a moment? I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning? Several of us. Just put it up. A lot of us, you can put your hand down. So in a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song of worship. I'd encourage you just to worship the Lord this morning. But I also challenge you this morning, if God has spoken to you into your heart and and God has revealed, you know, the gospel has kind of stopped with you. You're not taking advantage of those opportunities. Then I want to encourage you this morning to come forward and pray about it. Resurrender, recommit, whatever you want to call it. God... I want to be on mission. I want to reach the people that you've placed around me. So in a moment, we're going to stand. There's going to be people here, and they're going to be facing you. If you'd like for someone to pray with you, they would love to do that. Just come shake their hand and ask them, would you pray with me? If you'd like time alone this morning at the altar or one of these pews, then just walk forward. You can kneel and pray. Spend time alone with God. But don't, don't miss the opportunity. If, if, God, if God has challenged you, I believe the best thing you can do this morning, if God has challenged you to, to share the gospel, is to take a step of faith this morning and come forward and pray about it. That doesn't mean you have to talk to anyone, but just come and pray. If we can't get enough courage to walk forward in this auditorium, It's going to be tough doing it anywhere else. God, we are amazed that you have given grace to us. We are thankful that Jesus Christ willingly laid his life down. That we can have grace through faith. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning that has never given their life to Christ, you would give them the courage this morning to walk forward, shake someone's hand, and ask them to pray with them. Lord, for those of us that you are challenging, that you've pricked your heart about sharing the gospel, may we be willing, Lord, to commit, to surrender, to ask God. Give us a greater burden, a greater passion for people who don't know Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I'm going to ask you to stay with me this morning. Would you stay with me this morning? We're going to sing a song of worship. Ben's going to lead us this morning in a song of Give You My Heart.
Let's sing as unto the Lord, and, and I would challenge you. God has spoken to you. Come pray. Amen.